That's one of those catchy, amazing little songs. I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But like I said, I hope that chorus just kind of resonates with you. I hope it just kind of sticks with you. It's that song you can't get out of your head. That's what I'm hoping for today. But have you ever watched a small boy follow his dad in the snow or on the beach? Uh, the young man, he stretches to step where his dad has stepped. And it's not always an easy task because his legs are shorter. And, and he gets just as far as he can because he wants to fall into his father's footprints. The father, seeing what the son is doing, smiles to himself and then kind of starts taking shorter strides so, so that his son can, can follow into his footprints. That's how God is like with us. As we walk with him, he's not trying to take such large steps that we can't keep up, but he, he, he does require that we continue moving forward. You see, we're in week three of our series, Resolutions for the Soul. We've talked about the win. Andy did a great job talking about commit last week. Um, and today I'm going to be talking about grow. Uh, I've come to understand some things about being a Christian. Uh, it's like this. The Christian walk is much like riding a bicycle. We're either moving forward or we're falling off. That's what our mission statement is all about. Moving forward, not falling off. Okay. Um, Say it with me. You ready? Mission statement. Win. Commit. Grow. Go. Eh, It's not too bad. We'll hit that again. But that's what it's about. It's about moving forward because we don't want to fall off. You see, if we as individuals can wrap our hearts and our minds around win, commit, grow and go, we will be continually moving forward. And that's a good thing because we definitely don't want to be falling off. That's for sure. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have. I thank you for the time we've been able to set aside and just give a piece of our hearts to you. I pray, Lord, as we look into your word We won't just look at it and say, that's nice or it's a nice thought. But I pray that something will resonate with us, that it will just settle in our hearts so that we can go out into this world and live what we know to be true. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Today, I want to focus on two things when it comes to grow. Our job and God's job. First off is our job, because in order to know what our job is, we have to know what the job description is. And so our basic job description is from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. That's our job description. In order to do our job well, we need to do a couple of things. In order to do our job well, we need to disciple. We need to disciple ourselves. We need to know that ourselves, we are studying God's word, that we are meditating on it. That's a a word that we don't use anymore in church is meditate. That means we need to read God's word. We need to kind of simmer it. You know, when you're making a good stew, it has to simmer. When you're making an award-winning chili, it has to simmer, (laughs) if you will. It's the same thing as Christians. We need to meditate on God's word. We need to read it and not just walk away from it. We need to just kind of simmer over it and think about it 
and pray about it. See how we can apply it to our lives. That's how we disciple ourselves. The next thing, part of our job description is we need to disciple and teach others. That's the grow. There you have it. There's our job and God's job. You see how our job involves people. His job involves the whole world. And if we do our job, he'll do his. But what does growing through discipleship and teaching God's word really look like? Well, the very basic start of growth for us should be an hour. I like to break things down and put them in little categories. So I think that a very basic part of our growth should be an hour of prayer, an hour of Bible study. You can say these with me if you remember them. An hour of worship, an hour of fellowship, and an hour of service every week. Now, I have a spiritual theory. It's my theory. It's not in the Bible, but this is, this is my spiritual theory. And I've come up with this, but it's based on a worldly practice. Okay? And because it's coming from my mind, just try to keep up. I worked in human resources with a company in Florida for a few years, and and it was my job to decide what the raises would be every year for these folks. I mean, I had had a process. I didn't just say, like you, don't like you. There was an actual process, and then I came up with the raises where I went to the owner of the company. I said, hey, this is what everybody should get. He looked at it. Okay, sounds good. So, but typically, the raises would range between 2 and 8% of what the person was getting paid. Now, no one ever received less than 2%. So basically, just showing up on time and going through the motions and, hey, you got your 2%, okay? Very seldom did somebody get 8%. It did happen. I actually gave a guy a 10% raise once, but he was that continual early bird, the overachiever that, you know, this is done, what can I do next type of guy. And so here's the point. If an hour of prayer, an hour of Bible study, an hour of worship, an hour of fellowship, and an hour of service a week is the basic basic starting point, then based on the worldly practice of financial growth, shouldn't the time that we as Christians set aside each week to grow increase each year? I mean, even if we're just stuck in a rut of going through the motions, doesn't God deserve at least 2% more every year in the time that we set aside to spend with him? The truth is he deserves way more than 2%, but... The sad truth is that's what we usually give him, if he's lucky. And then then we look around and we say, well, why is our churches so small? How come there's less than 20 independent Christian churches in the whole state of Alabama? Oh, I know. It's because the preacher is lazy and he just gets his sermons off the Internet. That's why the church is small. No, no. (laughs) It's not that at all. It's because the elders, it's the elders. They don't shepherd the flock. They don't. They don't come and visit me. That's why the church is small and, and, and not known in the state of Alabama. No, that's not it. That's not it. It's because the deacons, it's those deacons. They're out busy not serving. That's what it is. It's those deacons. No, no, it's not them either. It's because we stop doing fellowship meals every week. That's why the church isn't growing. I figured it out. That's not it. It's really not it. But I do know what it is. I know why. It's because we forgot to grow. When you look at religions that are trending, and right now there are a few religions that are trending in our world, and what you'll see in those religions is every year, you know what makes them grow? The people that buy into them, the believers of those religions, the followers of these other religions, because they practice it. They study it so that they can defend their belief. And so that they can tell everybody about it. 
That's why in America, other religions are experiencing growth. That's why in Alabama, other religions are experiencing more growth than Jesus and Christianity and the Bible and the words that he set. We've forgotten who we are. You know, in the five years I've lived in Alabama, at least three to five times a year, I have been approached either in my neighborhood or coming out of Walmart or Target or somewhere, and I have been asked if I would like to learn more about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know how many times someone has come up to me and asked if I would like to know more about Jesus Christ and how he loves me in five years? None. None. We have forgotten who we are. It goes beneath the surface because if we are truly growing in the Lord, it will change our personal identity permanently. Not just one day a week, not just for an hour of service, an hour of prayer, an hour of of study, an hour of worship, not just for those moments, but it will change our, our personal identity permanently. And in order to grow, we must know who we are. Any Disney fans besides me? Do you remember The Lion King? I love that movie. Best part of the whole movie. Simba, he's all messed up in the head and he can't figure out what he should do. He was out hanging out with the Hakuna Matata crowd and it was all great. And then he realizes it wasn't enough. But then he's challenged. What do I do? He's all perplexed and he, he can't figure it out. The monkey hits him on the head. You've forgotten who you are, you know. He looks in the water and sees his dad's face. And, and then it's, and, and here it is. Mufasa says to Simba, remember who you are. Remember who you are. He's reminding Simba that he is the rightful leader of Pride Rock, that he has work to do, and that doing anything less than that work means he has forgotten who he is. I want to say the same thing to you today. Remember who you are. Remember what you are here to do. You are a child of the king. That makes you an heir to Jesus right off the bat. That's an amen right there. It, it's done. We can go home now. Remember who you are. We are heirs to Jesus because of what he has done for us. But we don't live like we're related to a king, do we? We don't live like the victors that we should be. We live like outcasts sometimes. We live like Simba. I can't go back there. They know who I am. Yeah, they sure do. You're the heir to the throne, Simba. Get back over there. Doesn't matter where you come from. You have work to do. Seems like to me that, that we live like outcasts. Like we live in bondage to our world rather than in freedom of Christ. John eight thirty one says, If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Brothers and sisters, if you want to grow with God, we have to know his teachings. Carrying your Bible doesn't get you to knowing what it says. If you want to grow with God, we have to know his teachings. We have to know what his word says. If you're not reading and studying and applying and meditating on the word of God in your life, you will never truly grow. You will never truly understand the freedom that's been offered to us. You'll never truly understand the gift that you have. In order to grow, we have to understand that we're going to make mistakes. You cannot grow pridefully as a Christian. 
as you grow, know that you're going to do wrong. Now, I don't want to bring you down because we're on a little bit of a high note there, talking about the Lion King and stuff and applying God's word. I don't want to bring you down, but I just want you to understand growing with God is not a journey of becoming perfect because I wouldn't make that journey. None of us would. It's, it's a journey about our foundation so that we can be next to God. The Christian life is not one of perfection. It's a life of being steadfast. It's knowing that our foundation is on Jesus Christ, not on this world. That's how we grow. Our own righteousness, it's like dirty rags without Christ in our life. You will stumble and fall and make mistakes all through your life and all through your walk with God. You're like, wow, what a Debbie Downer. Thanks. Can't wait to leave this one. The good news is our security is in Christ because it doesn't matter how I'm received in this world because I've given my life to Christ. And though I'm not perfect, I have come to realize that God can and will use an imperfect vessel if we allow ourselves to be filled by him. Our personal mission, our personal purpose statement, if you will, should be to live like Christ as individuals. We must do all we can to replicate Christ in our life. In our personal life, we must all be preparing for personal ministry. I'm about to go from preaching to meddling, so. (laughs) This is not an option. I keep wanting to say prepping because I've watched the Mary the Prepper show on TV. We must all be preparing for personal ministry. It's not an option. As an individual, Christians, it's time for us to accept this concept and put it into action. John 15, 8 says, you should produce much fruit and show that you are my followers, which brings glory to the Father. Producing fruit is not carrying your Bible. Producing fruit is not wearing a T-shirt that says, I'm with Jesus. Okay? That's not producing fruit. In case you're wondering what it looks like to produce real fruit, I've got two things that we as Christians should all be doing, and our fruit production would be at an all-time high. Now write these down so you don't forget. The first thing we need to do to produce fruit. Leave this building. Not right now. Wait, I'm done. (laughs) Leave this building and tell others about Jesus. If you're a Christian and you're not telling people about Jesus, you're like a doctor that has a cure for cancer or diabetes or insert whatever your favorite disease is right there. But you won't tell anybody. You've got the cure, but you won't tell anybody. Because you think they may not believe you have the cure. They may not quite agree with your cure. We have the cure for death and sin. It's called Jesus Christ. And if you want to produce fruit, you have to share him. You have to plant those seeds. That's first thing. Tell others about Jesus. Next thing we need to do. Again, I'm I'm meddling. All right, I'm I'm coming right into your business. In the Bible, Jesus talks more about money than anything else. Not because he's greedy, but because he knows the power that money can have over us, the hold that money can have on us. And he encourages his followers to give and to give well. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. Grow is not just a word in a a simple little four-word statement about Huntsville Christian Church. And it's not just about discipleship. It's about stewardship. It's about living all respects and all aspects of our life to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Let me challenge you with this thought. 
If everyone in this room tithed 10% of their income here at Huntsville Christian Church, every time you get your check, the fruit, going back to that fruit verse, producing fruit, the fruit that will be produced will amaze you. 127 people on our roster. And 127 people gave solid 10% every Sunday. The impact in this community would increase. Our impact in benevolence would increase. The ripple effect of every one of us giving 10% has the potential to stretch farther than we can truly understand. And if you're not doing it, we'll never see it. Nobody said amen, Scott. I'm scared. If we're not doing it, we're never going to see it. It goes back to, well, why isn't the church growing? Why isn't Alabama a stronghold for for Jesus Christ and and what his Bible says? Because we're not doing it. That being said, another thing we need to do, we must minister to others. And we have to teach each other also with our time, with our talents, with our money, with our attitudes, with our actions. We must love others and one another. John 13, 35 says, all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. I've been teaching the, the basics class in Sunday school. And then there's three kinds of people. There's very important people, very nice people, and very draining people that are in church. The reality is that all of us through our walk and through our growth are those people. We still have to love each other through those times of growth. Did you guys catch the words to the song the praise team sang just before I came up? I hope it's stuck in your head. It's called You Are Love. It's by the museum. Uh, You can look it up on YouTube and listen to it over and over again. It's a great reminder that we need to do this in order to grow. Because we can do all these different things, but if we don't love, we're just making noise. Gracious God, unselfishly, you gave yourself to set me free. Just to save a wretch like me, a sinner and an enemy, merciful and true. I want to love like you do. And the chorus, this is the part that I hope is stuck in your head. And I'll read it. I won't sing it. A little scratchy this morning. Love for the loveless, hope for the hopeless. You are love. Strength for the broken, arms wide open. You are love. Not for any good in me, but because of your great heart. You pursued me endlessly. Savior God is who you are, merciful and true. I want to love like you. And then love for the loveless, hope for the hopeless. You are strong. You are love. You know, without these things and without love, grow is just a number. The best part about when we do our job, when we do these things that I've just preached about, is when we grow with God so that we can reflect him more, is that God's going to do his job. But what exactly is his job? I'm going to touch on it very briefly because for starters, he promises to give the increase. As we talk about grow, the increase isn't going to come from how dynamic my preaching is or how amazing the praise team does with worship songs. That's not where the grow, that's not where that's going to come from. The increase, that's going to come from God, from his spirit interacting in our lives and convicting us in our hearts. He promises to meet our needs. That's God's job. He said it was. All the way back to taking care of the birds in the field. He promises that he will never leave us. Those are the things that God, that's God's job. To always be with us, 
to support us, to strengthen us, to be here. That's God's job. You remember the story about the little boy following in his dad's footsteps in the snow or on the sand? It's a great picture of discipleship. It's a great picture of grow. Because as parents, we want to bring our kids alongside. We don't want them to stay. We, we do want them to stay young forever. But we like to watch them grow and see the world through their eyes. And, and, and so we want to bring them alongside of us. You see, in our faith, we always follow in someone's steps. A parent, a teacher, a hero, a mentor, an, an intercessor, someone who's praying for us. All of us have someone to follow. None of us are the first to walk this trail. We're not the first and we are not alone. It's the principle of growth. It's the, the philosophy of discipleship, if you will. It's not about numerical growth. It's about spiritual growth. And when we talk about grow here at Huntsville Christian Church, make no mistake, it's not about numbers. It's about spiritual growth. But we must understand that growth for the sake of growth, that's just the ideology of the cancer cell. It grows and it takes over and it's ugly. I don't want that. Understand this. I don't want Huntsville Christian Church to grow just for the sake of growth. I don't want us to be a church that resembles an out-of-control cancer cell on the inside where we're busting at the seams with self-indulgent people. I want our growth to be healthy and spiritually strong. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but you know what? The truth is, in America, we have enough megachurches in this country. I don't want us to be a megachurch. I want us to have a crazy spiritual growth here at Huntsville Christian Church so that we can be the first mega-healthy church. That's what I want. Are you with me on that? Because that's where it is. I want to be mega-healthy. God's word never returns null and void. Look at what Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. Starting with verse, verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it is sent, for which I sent it. Folks, 2013 is the year that we as a congregation of believers respond to God's word and move from simply being a believer to being a liver of what we believe. I don't want you to go around and say, oh, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I believe he did all those things. I want you to say, I'm a liver. I live what Jesus said. That's growth. That's grow. This is the year that we set aside our own personal vision and we follow God's vision for us as individuals and as a congregation. Remember our verse? Psalm 119.37. Who knows it? There it is. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. It's about vision. What are we focused on? We're not going to grow if we're focused on ourselves. We're not going to grow if we're focused on our world. It's not going to happen. Turn my eyes from worthless things. 
Preserve my life according to your word. As we come to a close today, you've heard the word of God. And when we hear the word of God or when we read it and we meditate on it, there's danger there. Because when that happens, it always requires a response from us. And you're going to hear that more and more this year as I talk about what's your response going to be to what you heard today. Because if we do our job, God will do his job. That's his response to us. If we do our job, he'll do his job. And don't let you not doing your job cause God's word to become null and void in your life. Let your growth be your response. And if you're not sure what that looks like, start with prayer. Come up here. Let the elders pray with you. Let us be there with you. Let us partner with you. Maybe your response to what you've heard is simply to to commit to actually spending an hour in worship and prayer and study and service and fellowship every week. Or maybe your response is, well, I'm already doing those things. So you're going to increase it a little bit. You're going to give God a raise 4% more of your time, 8% more of your time in doing those things. Maybe that's what your response is. Maybe your response is that 2013 will be the year that you just stretch yourself and grow with God through your giving. The the old saying, give till it hurts. Come on, stretch yourselves. Stretch yourselves in your study. Stretch yourselves. Let the word of God make you uncomfortable and then act on it. Move forward on it. Be challenged by his word and live it. If that's you, man, make a commitment today. Let your response happen. And maybe for you, your growth response today starts with baptism or with just simply rededicating your life to following God's vision and not your own. Because we are really good at following our own vision or following our GPS. Those are the two things we seem to follow. (laughs) Whatever your response is, don't wait. Don't hold back. Don't walk out of here today the same way you walked in. I'm going to pray. And when I do, will you just stand and sing with us? And I just want you to consider what God would have you do this year. What he would have you do at work. What he would have you do at home. What he would have you do in your neighborhood. At your school. As we grow. My prayer is that we grow spiritually. Uh, Like I said, I'm not worried about numbers. I want to be the mega healthy church. That's what I want us to be. We go ahead and stand and I'll pray and let your response be known. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you promised that your word won't return empty. Lord, I pray that in each one of us, there's a response that's, that's just bubbling up, whatever it may be, uh, to, to give more elaborately, to, to serve more, to to be better, to, uh, to lead our families better, to care about our neighbors more. Whatever that response, Lord, I pray that as we hear your word week in and week out, that we won't grow tired of it, that we'll continue to be challenged by it, that we'll continue to apply it to our lives, that we will, we'll step out of our comfort zones and follow your vision for us. Help us let go of the world and cling to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.